0: y'all what is going on this is your man l jamal coming through with another edition of never out of bounds of course this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts uh we have a bit to get into today mostly on the college well tonight mostly on the college football side of things i wanted to recap the entire weekend and then also wanted to go through some headlines and also some highlights throughout each of the five power conferences so we're going to get through that uh of course the top the new top 25 is out so we're going to go through that also have a t- two quick stories to go through for my word on the street segment so i will get through that uh if you haven't yet please be sure to follow me on instagram l jamal 791 i'll be leaving the link for you in the description for the episode please be sure to check me out on youtube as well of course same uh same name as a podcast never out of bounds uh my most recent project i got up is uh, entitled call me a river i'm going in on the most recent well it's about a week or so now uh, at this point but uh The drama at the Oregon game uh, with the BYU fans. So I'm getting into some of that. If you haven't checked that out, please do. Please be sure to like and subscribe uh, to the channel if you haven't yet. Uh, But let's get into tonight's episode. Like I mentioned before, we have a quick War on the Street segment. Just two different things I wanted to get into. Uh, A little bit about Trump and, of course, uh, the, I guess, the elephant in the NBA room. Of course, the Emei Udoka situation. So let's just go ahead and get into it. Like I said, just a brief excerpt on Trump. Uh, He has asked for a special master in his case uh, to oversee everything uh, with the Department of Justice, and he ended up getting one. He ended up getting U.S. US District Judge Raymond J. Durley. Now, um, this is is the rub, though. He got what he wanted, but he wants Trump and his legal team to provide all evidence uh, that he has that proves, of course, that evidence was eventually placed on him by the DOJ when they said that they well, you know, when they raided his home. Uh, there's the issue of what's classified and what's not classified. I think there's one thing that goes in his favor, and that's, I guess, the classified articles are not going to be used, and just they are going to look over the unclassified file. I don't know. Some complicated shit. There's some shit that is going in his favor, of course, but the ma- the special master, though, he wants all documents ready. He wants all proof of what Trump's claims are at a certain time. So then there's something going in the other group's favor. So um, they have about a month to do all this and uh, they need to do this in a declaration or some type of an affidavit. I mentioned Trump claims that uh, the files recovered at his residence in Mar-a-Lago were basically placed there by the DOJ. Again, we don't really know the truth of that. I'm not gonna outright buy that, but that's why he has a month to prove to us what the deal is and this is a pretty much (laughs) coming from his legal defense team they're trying to stay you know they're trying to stay their mouths closed well they're trying to keep their mouths closed because this is again uh, coming from them saying anything will disclose a defense to the merits of any subsequent indictment let me repeat that it will disclose speaking about anything right now according to Trump's legal team particularly about the facts of the case it may disclose. Well, it will disclose. It didn't say may. It just said it it, disc- it discloses a defense to the merits of any subsequent indictment. Hmm. Y'all let that sink in. So if they do get them, they can get them. But I I hate to say it. There might be some little way that they could finagle. They just had Matt Gates, his uh, Republican cohort, just get off for sex trafficking. It obviously, it's obviously proof that if you have enough money, you can get by. I know the Republicans will sit there all day and say Hunter Biden this, Joe Biden that, whatever crimes they can. They can, you know, claim Obama did, but there's obviously crimes that Donald Trump has done too, and none of them have gone to jail. So what does that tell you? Republican Democrat doesn't matter if you have, if you're wealthy, and you have the money to fight it, which is why I don't understand why Kanye doesn't use his billions of dollars to just fight for custody of his children instead of dragging his whole drama out on social media just to be known and be seen. I, I know those things don't go together, but I'm just saying, if you have the money, you have the power. Why don't you flex it? I mean, it just I don't know. Uh, but God, honestly, Donald Trump is. I mean, he's, he's you know, doing all he can with his ends to protect himself. I just I just don't understand. But again, that's the biggest thing with Trump right now. Anything coming out that's different. Of course, I'll be sure to update you. But nothing, you know, nothing real deep here just yet other than the fact that he did get the special master. But there, there comes a catch. But with that being said, with that catch, there's still a way that he can get free. That's that's the main gist here. Now, let's move on to the very interesting most interesting story for me of course Boston this is referring to Boston Celtics former, well not necessarily former head coach but he's suspended head coach Ime Udoka now he was suspended by the team recently for the entire season after it was revealed that he was in an intimate now when I say revealed what I mean by that is it was revealed it's been revealed to the public okay now again it was revealed that he had an intimate relationship with another woman on the staff and it's a violation of team rules now what i just said was it was revealed don't confuse that with just oh they just now No, they're just now saying something meaning they're reporting it now you the me, now the media knows and everybody else knows but here's the here's the thing about this one the affair was already confirmed by team sources, by another member of the staff. Apparently there's these rumors that they caught them on some type of doorbell camera. I don't, that is irrelevant. Bottom line is the team has known about this affair since July. Now, mind you, this is a violation of team rules. And then also you hear that this, not, not only did they know about it, there was no real investigation that led into that. There was no real investigation into this until these unwarranted comments were made. Now, a couple questions that I have. And they're just questions. I'm not trying to take sides. I'm not in that. I don't really know. the. F- I don't know what the fuck was said. And it's obvious that two people here broke the team protocol. Now my question is since boston knew about this in july why didn't they investigate this in july and have this figured out by august and figure out what they were going to do by then why did it take for this story of unwanted comments to be to be revealed for them to even investigate what they've already they they've already according to them they've already known and according to them it was consensual and if they didn't if they already knew why didn't they do something about it then in terms of discipline? If this is a violation of the team rules, then both of them have to meet the maker. But see, we live in this this culture where it's this me too shit now and everything that a guy might do related to him. It's just somehow this crime automatically. Now, what he did wrong, I'm going to tell you what he did wrong. He cheated on his wife. He was dishonest. He I don't know if he used his power or his leverage. I don't know all that because again it was consensual. So I, again, it was a consensual relationship. So he was in that wrong. But the team was wrong. We're going to have people to say that they handled it the right way. Fuck that. If you knew in July, you should have made the suspension in July because that's violating the rules. And you should have and again, this is a two-way street. This is and again, don't don't get it twisted. This was a consensual affair. So both parties broke team policy, so both should be punished. Now, what these comments were, we don't even know the comments. But I do also have a question here with that. If you are in an intimate relationship, what could have been said to have you trigger and say no? Oh, I don't like that comment. You were already together, Just quote unquote, right? You were fucking. So you can you can be fucked by somebody, but they can't say a certain thing to you. What did he say? What could he have said at that point when he's already put his his member inside of you? What could he say to make you uncomfortable Was it a, of a sexual nature? Really? was it? Really? When you've been fucking? What did he say? Did he say he was going to he, he couldn't do Did he did he say he couldn't fuck with you no more? Is that what he said? Or maybe 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 it was like this. Maybe the team did do some type of investigation and realized, look, this was a problem and we shouldn't fuck we shouldn't be having this. And instead of taking the adult way out and just kind of taking your punishment, you I'm, again, this is a guess. Maybe this this staffer says, oh, well, I, 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 I'm, I don't want to take the sword. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and, and say that this guy said something to me that set me off. So then I don't have to get in this too. And so I can implicate him as this as this bad guy. Now, he's wrong for cheating on his wife. But as far as that relationship is concerned, it was consensual. So the question is, what the fuck he could have said to even set that off, and why the hell the team didn't handle this to begin with when they first said that they knew if this is a violation of team protocol. Anytime when you violate something at your job, usually, at least when we at, you know, we 9 to fivers, they're going to pull you in right away give you either a warning, they're going to give you a little write-up, or they're going to tell you to fuck off. So why does he get to wait two or three months before they figure out what to do? Why does she get to wait? two or three months until she comes up with this story again how how what could somebody that's having sex with what could that been said that somebody's having sex with you could have said it could have set you off to the point where oh i gotta go to a a, a a a higher up you're already doing shit what did he say he he wasn't gonna mess with you no more did he did he did he flirt with you that's what y'all do did he mention having sex with you that's what y'all been doing right It's an affair. Affair means you're fucking. So I mean, what could he have said to make you go from, oh, you're my, you're my, you know, affair buddy, to, to, oh my God, this is this is too much for me. I have to go to someone. I'm sorry. Now I'm sorry, and I'm also sorry for Nia Long. She has to go through all this. I don't know her personally, but I don't think she, you know, has done this to any of her lovers in the past. I don't think she's loose like that or promiscuous. So I don't, I don't feel like this is some type of, you know, plump. and I don't, I don't like to throw to anything like that. So I think it's fucked up that she's involved in this because of, you know, that's who she, you know, decided to get with, you know, but what I would tell you men and young men understand where you at. And I, I totally get it now. I totally understand why now they tell you don't shit where you eat. It's probably not the best priority, not the best thing to do to to date somebody that you work with. Now, maybe if they were both single, that's different. But I I honestly see now why they have protocols (laughs) at this day and age. I I get it because there's so many ways that you can take this because now she could could sit there and sue for something that she was involved in herself. And that's what it seems like she wanted to do. Instead of taking taking the L along with him, she said, no, 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 no. He made some unwarranted comments. What were they? If you were already, if you already gave him the goods, it's not like he was pressuring you to have sex, you were already doing it with him. So I'm very confused by what could have been said, what was said, you know, why the team didn't do shit in the first fucking place when they known about it since July, and it's a team, uh and it's a, it is a team policy that they both broke. And why is she not in this? Why is she not facing anything? She broke policy too, on her remission. Mmm. And again, maybe that's why those that 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 story about unwarranted comments got thrown out to maybe to save her ass. And you got these women reporters trying to defend her. They don't even know these people. They don't even know who said what they don't even know who he was involved with. So I don't even see how you can how you can even have, you know, any remorse or any other than other than, you know, for these blank faces. Other than from what you. I only know what I know. And for what we know, we don't know really what was said, but we do know that they had a con- a, a, a consensual relationship. It sounds like they both broke team policy. They both should be handled with. I don't know this there's... Odoka I- is some type of, you know. I mean, well, obviously that was deviant behavior, but he wasn't in that alone. I will say that you the two can make a party. That's an old school song. I don't know if y'all remember that. It was off the uh, Bay Bay's Kids soundtrack, Ma- an old Massey Priest song two can make a party it ain't it ain't it it wasn't him by itself so I don't know why we trying to put him in the media as his fall guy. You got you got Matt Barnes. First he was saying, "Hey, this is something that I this is something that this is this is something that's gone down. This is something that has precedence. Coaches have done this. People of you know in those upper echelons have already been doing this." I think that's right. You had him go back on that to say, "Oh, no, I don't know." Well, yeah, we kind of don't know because we don't know what the unwarranted comments were. But at the same time, it's it's a little bit murky. Let's just keep it real. Why they do nothing? Why they ain't punish her too? Cause she was in on it. This again is not like he committed the R word on her. Come on now, I don't understand. I mean, the climate is fucked up. But again, young man, take your notes. Young men and brothers, you know specifically, take your notes. Don't be fucking with your coworkers. Lesson learned on my end. Lesson learned. <laughs> All right, y'all, I'm going to take a quick break. When we get back, we break it down some college football. Of course, some conference uh, news, some conference highlights. Of course, we're going to go through the top 25 as well. All right, y'all, I'll be right back. All right, y'all. I'm back. I'm going to get into some college football and I'm going to be doing something a little bit different from now on, starting tonight. And after the top 25 and the scores from the top 25 over the course of the weekend, I want to get into a new segment called Conference Notes. Something really simple. I know. uh, But I wanted to get uh, just a touch up, at least touch up a little bit more on. at least least some more teams you know um outside of the top 25 give you guys a good idea of the who's who this year what to look out for uh i feel like i can do a little bit of a deeper job with that so what i like to do with that segment is kind of break down um you know break down some of the news the, the top headlines from that conference you know also the scores from that conference as well uh you know over the you know the weekend or so and then also uh or even if it's in the middle of the week before we get to saturday Break down some of the top matchups uh, to look forward to uh, in terms of that conference. So, uh, being that it is Sunday night, uh, we just had Saturday pass us by. I'll be going over this weekend's games from each conference, and of course, like I said, some headlines as well. And this is for the Power Five conferences, of course. As far as the other conferences, like the Sun Belt, all that, uh, I will be, as soon as I get to the conference standings, which I'll wait at least two more weeks to get to so we have a good idea of what's going on we actually have a it will be worth you know going over the rankings or at least the standings in the conferences and kind of figure teams out from there that's when i'll add all the Sun Belt teams conference usa american so on and so forth but for right now like i said we'll be doing the conference notes some conference notes from each of the power five and of course that's after i get through the, the top 25. so speaking of which the top 25 is in it's a new week so of course we have you know, some new faces, some some of the old faces. So let's go ahead and get into it. At number 25, we have Kansas State. Uh, they had a big win over the weekend at Norman against uh, the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll be getting to that a little bit later in my conference notes segment. Uh, but they are 3-1 at this point in the year. Behind the, or above them at number 24, we have Pittsburgh. This is a team that I'm not... Um, I'm not really impressed by at this point in the season. They they're three and one, uh, but I think they're leaving a lot more to be desired. They're a lot. They're not as good as they were last year. I'm just gonna say it just like that. It hasn't shown up just yet. I still don't see why they're in the top 25 though. But. It'll it'll you'll be you'll you'll see soon enough as the season goes on. And at number twenty-three we have Florida State four uh, zero. They've uh, jumped out to one of their hottest starts in a few years. Last year they were zero and four, just to put you in perspective. Uh, this is a top thirty, well top forty team in terms of offense and defense. They score about thirty-seven points per game. Uh, they're allowing just about eighteen points per game. So solid on both ends. Much improved from the season before. At quarterback we have uh, Jordan Travis. He's a conductor of the offense. He's completed over 65% of his passes this year, almost 66%. He has 945 yards and a five touchdown to just one interception ratio. So really good there on the ground. uh, They get assistance from Tayshawn Ward. 350 rushing yards on the course of the year so far. Three touchdowns on defense. We have uh, Jarrett Verse, uh, one of their top tacklers. Four tackles for loss, he leads the team in that category. He also leads the team in sacks with three. At number 22, we have Wake Forest at three and one. At number 21, we have Minnesota, four and zero to start the year, their third in total offense in the nation, second in rushing. Muhammad Ibrahim is a big factor behind that. 567 rushing yards on 6.4 yards per carry, also eight touchdowns. Their backup, Trey Potts, is doing his thing as well. 291 yards from him to supplement things five and a half yards per carry also three touchdowns even tanner morgan their starting quarterback is getting in on it with three rushing touchdowns they have 17 total rushing touchdowns so again this this is a they're, they're definitely the best uh, one of the best at, at running at pounding the rock, uh, in terms of defense, they are first in total defense, second against the pass, uh, in the nation, uh, one, just giving up about 126 yards per game. They're also third against the run, only giving up about 61 yards a game, so pretty dominant in terms of defense. A uh, really good offense. Uh, this is a team that's been in you know the mix the past few years, not necessarily in terms of competing for, well, necessarily winning the conference title, but having a few wins. every year that you wouldn't expect them to get. They're normally within... This area, the top 25. So they've been, I mean, a lot better than what they were, you know, 10 or so years ago. I definitely will say that. Um, in terms of defense, uh, we have linebacker Mariano Sori Morin. He leads the team in tackles, 25 total tackles from him. He also has two tackles for loss. They're also a fir- they're also a first in scoring defense, only giving up about six points per game. So a lot of positives here. Uh, but it will get tougher as Big Ten play goes on. I do believe that they play in the same division as you know. Ohio State so again it, it just gets more difficult so we'll see if all this stacks up as the season goes on at number 20 we have Arkansas at 3-1 and and number 19 we have BYU at 3-1 and And number 18 we mentioned Oklahoma uh, they took an L this weekend they are 3-1 and one. they dropped from number 6 uh, from last week And number 17 we have Texas A&M they did just enough to survive this weekend they are still uh you know they are still in the top twenty-five. Uh, number sixteen, we have Baylor at three and one. At number fifteen, we have Washington, four and zero start again. Uh, these some of these teams are making drastic turnarounds from the year before. They are being acknowledged. I think they appear a little bit too high, and I'm not saying this because I'm an Oregon fan and this is our rival. I just, you know, I their most impressive win was against Michigan State, and it was an impressive win, no doubt. But seeing what Michigan State did this win did this week excuse me, I think it takes a little bit from that. I would have had them debuting around 20 or tw- between 23 and 20 to be honest with you maybe even 18 uh, 15 eh you know I, I don't see where they jumped that you know that far up from a, from a win against Stanford Stanford is nobody at this point at this year. And I've mentioned David Shaw being should he should be on the hot seat. Uh, if you haven't checked out my Pac-12 um, preview, I'm pretty sure I said that there on YouTube. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm I would say you know their their coach. I can't remember their coach Shaw there at Stanford. He's on the hot seat. I, again, it's a win. It was a blowout win, of course. But again, Stanford ain't really putting up no no real threat. And it almost looks like Michigan State might be falling off the rails. So it's like, uh, who have they beaten? Mm. Okay, but they are scoring 44 points a game, 12th in the nation, Fifth in total offense, their first in passing. That's a little bit scary. Michael Penix Jr. has re uh, reunited with his uh, former offensive coordinator at Indiana. Now they head coach, uh, uh, Kalen DeBoer. I think Karen DeBoer, something like that. Um, you know, it's really improved his game. 64% completion percentage, 1,388 yards, 12 to 1 touchdown interception ratio for a team like the Ducks, who I know that can't stop the pass. I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little bit worried even though I said they are ranked a little bit too high. That doesn't mean that they're not good. I just, you know, relative to right now, it's still relatively early. And we saw what happened with Michigan State. So, again, it's like, eh, okay, there's some questions. And uh, definitely we took our test this weekend not being Oregon. So, you know, it, it is what it is. And Speaking of which, though, at number 14 we have Ole Miss. And then at number 13 we do have Oregon here at 3-1. Ole Miss is 4-0. Uh, I would have just – and again, this is this is me just being a real one. I would have Ole Miss ranked over us, being that they're undefeated. Uh, in a way that means, you know, and, and in in a sense, Washington, I would have Washington ranked over us. But I would probably have Oregon just a little bit lower here. It it, it you know just to be honest with you, I think they're ranked a little bit too high. So uh, you know, and don't get me wrong, the Washington State win was great, but the Washington State wasn't ranked. So. You know, hey, and we and we barely clawed, you know, through that game. We'll get to that in a second. So hey, hey, you know, it is what it is. You know, that's what you know. And I, if I, I, I'll talk shit, but I'll you know be able to deal it back on my, you know, my end too. I'm, you know, this is this. I can't be biased here, so I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be real with y'all. Uh, number twelve we have Utah. They are four and zero. At number ten we have NC State. They are four zero. I think this team is a little bit bloated, uh, just because they really haven't played anybody just yet. Uh, the Texas Tech game is looking like a solid win, uh, being what you know, seeing what Texas Tech was able to do against Texas. Uh, so they look solid. Uh, that win looks solid. Um, but again, I just I won't know really what this team has until they get into the meat of that ACC schedule. That's where they're going to face off against the teams that are going to challenge them. Wake Forest, uh, of course, Clemson. Uh, You even could have a, I mean, because of course, it's a rivalry game, maybe even, you know, North Carolina. You just don't know. Uh, So there's some really good teams in ACC play. Again, Louisville is still a, a good team. You know, that could take them there. You know, a a solid enough team to, you know, maybe shock them a little bit. We don't know yet. You know, we have to see. It's very early. They played some very easy teams. I'm just going to keep it real. Up next, we have Oklahoma State. They are 3-0. First in the nation in scoring 57 points per game. Ain't really played to to anybody serious just yet. They were just on the bye week. This week, they'll be facing off against Baylor. This is their first true test. I'll be paying attention to this game. They're 70th in total defense, though. 101st versus the pass that is their big achilles heel. Again, like I mentioned, they really ain't played nobody. They'll get deep into this Big 12 schedule where they can throw the ball. We saw what Dylan Gabriel could do throwing the ball despite him losing. He we know he can throw uh, touchdowns. We saw what happened in the TCU SMU game. I'll talk about that in this, uh, a little bit later. You know, so they throw the ball in the Big 12 you can't stop the pass that's that's a, that's going to be an issue cuz that's going to be how they're going to attack you and if you can't stop it i mean how how good can i really how good can you really be in that conference now right now they look good they're 3 and 0 they ain't really played nobody yet let's see what happens when they face off against another another ranked team in Baylor this weekend but in terms of their offense mr sander great conductor of that 917 yards 65% completion percentage 10 to 1 touchdown interception ratio again I'm... I don't think that takes a step back because again, that I mean, I'm telling you, it's past happy in the Big 12. That doesn't. That's not my issue here. This is going to be passing defense. But again, to help Spencer Sanders out, his leading receiver is Balin, Sorry, Braden Johnson, 14 catches on the year, 300 yards receiving, and also three touchdowns. Moving on, we have Tennessee. Uh, you know how I feel. We've talked about Tennessee. They got a, a win against the overrated Florida team. I'm gonna, I'm gonna outright say that now. We'll see. Same thing with Kentucky. They they both kind of propped up here. Again, these are these are these are wins in my opinion. But basically, I, I saw Kentucky. I lo- I like Kentucky. I got respect for Kentucky. That's one of the you know other teams outside of you know Bama that I got some love for in the SEC. And it looked that great this weekend. Uh, versus who they play, uh, somebody nondescript. I can't think. Th- I can't remember who they were right now. But um, these two guys right here, they are here for. This is these are these are you know placemats for Georgia. Now when Georgia gets to face them off, I think Georgia handles business against both of these teams. To be honest with you, I think they're ranked where they're at. So Georgia gets that that great win that they're searching for on the year right now. Another great SEC win is to kind of. Just to kind of justify, you know, just to kind of justify them, you know. That's why they're up here. Um, You know, Kentucky, they are, you know, they're a solid team. Uh, They are 15th versus the pass in terms of defense. Uh, They're giving up 11 points per game defensively. Great. Again, we have, they haven't got to the meat of that schedule just yet. They're not even really in the conference play right now. Again, oh, it was they played up. They played against Northern Illinois, and Northern Illinois even had the nerve to have a lead on them at some point. So, ah, both of these guys, eh, you know, again, these are going to be great marquee matchups for Georgia. You know, if they're still ranked, but if they're still ranked relatively high, this is just one of those wins for Georgia to say, this is why they're good. Trust me, I know what the fuck I'm talking about, y'all. Anyways, um, speaking of back to uh, Kentucky just a little bit more, uh, their highlight on defense, their highlight player on defense is going to be linebacker Jordan Wright. 16 total tackles, but he does lead the team in tackles for loss with four. He also has a pick. And in terms of offense, they're pretty dot solid, averaging 13, uh, sorry, 30, 31 points per game. Uh, we mentioned their quarterback many different times. They, they'll be all right in terms of Will Levis. They'll be all right uh, in terms of that. I think defense is going to be somewhat of a question to me. Uh, let's move on to USC. They're 4-0. At number five, we have Clemson, 4-0. Four, we have Michigan, 4-0 as well. Of course, the top three, all 4-0. Uh, Ohio State, Bama at two, of course, Georgia. You know, you, you can take a pick about who you'd want to put here, and it's probably going to be based on your preference or whatever. It is what it is right now. If the season were to end, you'd have two Looks like you're going to have two SEC teams facing up against two Big, teams, ten, big ten teams. You know, uh, the circle jerk between everybody's quote-unquote best conferences. That's what they say, although these these conferences have been carried by one or two teams their entire existence, just about at least the past 20 or so years. So, anyways, let's look at the, stores, the, the top 25 scores from over the weekend. Uh, we're going to start off with Baylor. Looked very, just, uh, they didn't look that impressive to me versus Ohio, sorry, Iowa State. They get the win, though, 31-24. We have Pittsburgh, uh, they get a win against Rhode Island, great, 44-25. to Who fucking cares? That's why I'm saying, I why are they in the top 25? They're not playing nobody. And we know when they face off against the real legit ACC teams this year, it's not going to be the same. Uh, let's just outright Tell it like it is. We have number four, Michigan. Uh, they get a win over Maryland. Should have been by a lot more. 34 to 27 is your final score. I'm just not impressed by Michigan either. Again, they're a little bit overrated this season. Uh, but again they 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 try so hard to push the blue bloods that's their whole thing they they want blue bloods to win every time they think that they can get all the most money out of that and whatever it's money too and it's about tv ratings so as long as as long as Michigan a brand name is up in number 4 college football things are doing a great job. Anyways, Georgia, they get a win against Kent State 39 to 22. We have Penn State, <laughs> State Penn, they get a win against uh Central Michigan 33 to 14. Again, a gimme win. I'm not again, I know cuz the, the Auburn win wasn't that impressive because we know Auburn's not that great. So, I'm not so high on them either. Uh again, a lot of these teams, you'll see again, just like with Oregon, You'll see a lot more layers to these teams as soon as they really get into conference play. I'm not really buying into a lot of these teams. Oregon did a lot to convince me in some ways. Again, I'll get into that uh, in just a second. But, you know, a lot of these teams already have gotten exposed to some extent to me. You know, and, it, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not impressed <laughs> with a lot of them. But to, uh, uh, we up next, we have number 21, Wake Forest. They come, a, come up a little bit short at home to Clemson, number five. Forty uh forty five to fifty one was your final score. It took two overtimes though, so it was really it was really a good game. And uh, again, the Wake Forest gave it all they had. Uh, but for Clemson, DJ Owangale, he has a great game. I think he's you know he holds on to his job. Of course, we talked about Cade uh, Nick, possibly. I, I I knew what the deal was. I just think it was just a matter of time. Uh, I don't think this is, I mean, again, he's going to have still growing, growing spurts. I don't think he's a, I, I personally don't think he's going to be like a number one draft quarterback guy. I don't think he's all that right now. Um, so I think he still has his, his growing spurts this year. I think he's, he, he is, he does get better as time goes on though, but I don't think he's your Heisman candidate. I don't think he's going to go, you know, he's like, everybody looking at him more drooling after him right now. Um, but again, he's, I think I think he's done enough already this season to, to be a lot better. I, I don't even know why they kept coming up with Clay, K. Club Nick. I just think they just, you know, people just get, you know, antsy and they just want to see something different. So they could, they think they could that could that they think they could push them to the next level. I I never saw that in Club Nick, to be honest. You know, um, it was either going to be Uangale or bust. I mean, that's that's who they spent a lot of resources to come get. They were gonna they were gonna keep him there, you know, unless he fell off or just, you know, couldn't play. You know, for real for real. Or, you know, got in trouble, you know? So I think Yuangaway Yuangawe is gonna be the guy. If they're gonna make it there, it's gonna be on his arm. Don't even mention Club no more, y'all. Uh, up next, we have w- uh, Will Shipley. He did his thing on the ground, 104 rushing yards. He would have a touchdown. Joseph Ngata, the team's leading the receiver, four catches for 84 yards, and the tight ends would do their thing. Jake Barringstool and also Bo Collins uh, both end up with receiving touchdowns, and also tight end Davis Allen got two receiving touchdowns. So, you won't go away. He obviously he has his bread and butter, and that's his tight ends. <laughs> so, uh, looks like Lamar Jackson 2.0. We have uh, defensive tackle. Tyler Davis and also Ruke uh, Okororo will come up with some sacks and they will hold Wake Forest to just 5-12 or on third down. I wanted to give him some type of little positive because at the end of the day, there really was no defense in this game. But for Wake Forest, Sam Hartman, again, he couldn't be outdone by Clemson's QB. He will go 20-29, 300 337 yards, six touchdowns. Justice Ellison uh, will be the team's leading rusher, 73 yards on the ground. The leading receiver was Jamal Banks, six catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Donovan Green will get you two receiving touchdowns. And defensively, Chase Jones will lead the team with nine total tackles. Now, I know Miami is not in the top 25 no more. Uh, But I want to talk about how garbage they are. Uh, I love, I love it. I'm glad that uh, Mario, nah, 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 hey, hey, hey. I knew he really sucked. He was overrated. Now I do. Anyways, he gets his ass whooped at home by Middle Tennessee State, of course. I mean, not necessarily ass whooping, but yeah, it's ass whooping. 45-31 45-31 was the final score. I know, like I said, Miami isn't in the top 25, but I had to make sure we kind of rubbed it in on them. Uh, Chase Cunningham, 16-25, to 408 uh, yards from Middle Tennessee. Three touchdowns. He would throw a pick, but he would score on the ground as well. Frank Peasant would have 74 yards on the ground and a touchdown uh, for Middle Tennessee, Tennessee, the Blue Raiders. That's what they call them. D.J. Chisholm will be the team's leading receiver just two catches on the day, but he would have 169 yards, and he made sure to score both times. Uh, now, Jalen uh, Jay, Lane uh, will come up with four catches for 130 yards as well, and Elijah Metcalf will come up with a 69-yard receiving touchdown. They will go on the hell of Miami to just 60 yards on the ground, uh, rushing, and will force three turnovers. So the Blue Raiders just wanted it, and Miami, you know, they came in there probably, you know, not taking them seriously. You know, it's is Miami. It's hot outside. It's warm. They're trying to get to the beach. They wasn't paying attention. You know, you know, you know, typical Miami stuff. They came in there, you know, overthinking them. You know, over, over, uh, overestimating themselves as usual. Tyler Van Dyke, 16 to 32, 138 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw two picks. Bench him, he's done. That he is Franklin, two uh two rushing touchdowns, Keyshawn Smith, four receptions, eighty one yards, and then of course on defense, Corey Flag would come up with a sack that would be a positive altogether. They gave him forty five points. Terrible. Uh let's move on. to Ole Miss. Uh they get a win here. I'm not that impressed. Uh, it was a little bit too close to, too close for comfort, in my opinion, against the Tulsa team. Come on now, y'all are supposed to be the mighty mighty SEC. We did mention Florida going down to Tennessee, 38 to 33. Uh, that was the final score. Florida is now two and two. Um, Anthony Richard, he tried Anthony Richardson tried to do his thing in that game Uh, a lot better, uh, you know, at least passing wise, one of his best performances this year. He had not had any touchdowns, uh, through the air up until this point last weekend. He had two, uh, two touchdowns to one pick. Uh, but he would have 453 yards as well. 20 of 44. He would have a rushing touchdown on 62 yards. Uh, Montrell Johnson would score on the ground as well. Uh, Justin short will be your team's leading receiver. He would have seven catches for 155 yards. Ricky Persall, the transfer from Arizona State, five catches from him, 103 yards. He would score and then tie in Keon Zipperer will score as well. On defense, Amari Bonnie uh Bernie, their linebacker will get you two sacks and seven total tackles. Now for Tennessee Hendon Hooker, uh everybody is looking to put him on the highs and front list. I I wouldn't disagree uh at this point. Twenty-two of twenty-eight, three hundred and nineteen yards, two touchdowns again. It's early. Uh, I, they ain't really played nobody in the SEC just yet. They played overrated Florida. So, of course, they're going to run a ride with him. Now, 111 yards, he would have a touchdown. Jabari Small would have 90 rushing yards and also a touchdown. He would score with a touchdown catch as well. Bruce, uh, sorry, Brew McCoy, USC transfer, five catches from him, 112 yards. He would score. And defensively, Kamal Hayden would get you seven total tackles and interception. And Dejon Terry on the defensive line would get you a sack. Now, another big upset. We had Texas and Texas Tech. Texas Tech, they let the play the, the long really close. And this time they got it done again 37 to 34. It doesn't happen all the time, but when it does. I love the revel in it because Texas is one of those teams just like Miami that college football just can't wait to say, Oh, they're great this year. They're back. They're going to win a national championship. They're going to win the Big 12. They're going to win 11, 10 games, 12 games. They're great. They're great. And they always lose a fucking game like this. And I just laugh because every year, why do y'all ride their dick so hard? I don't know. Y'all tell me. Because uh, they're from Texas. And they just, again, blue blood teams from these big, you know, the big schools, they just. Uh, media just slops them up. Oh my God, let's get on the Texas pack. Okay, y'all gonna get burnt every time. Hudson Card, 20 or 30, uh, 277 yards, two touchdowns and a pick in place of Quinn Ewards. I will be giving you guys an injury update uh, on my conference notes a little bit later down the line this week, uh, because I forgot to mention it here, but we will be getting into that. But John Robinson, 100 and run yards on the ground, also two touchdowns. Xavier Worthy, as he has in many, you know, um, a mini game so far, he scored a touchdown as long as well as running back Keelan Robinson. Uh, also, um, the horns though defense, I'm sorry, offensively, they just struggled to maintain drives. Three of nine on third down. You know, gave gave up two turnovers again. When you come up short by three. And let's say, for instance, you went 3-9 on third down. I mean, again, I mean, imagine if you would have converted one or two of those downs, three of those downs. You might have got a touchdown or two or something out of that. You know, maybe you get a field goal at the very least. You get points out of that, you know. So, you know, Texas Tech, they do what it does. You know, they they find a way every now and again. They don't do it all the time, like I said. But uh, last Saturday, Donovan Smith will lead the way 38-56. Th- oh, I'm sorry. Uh, before, I leave all, before I get into Texas Tech for Texas defensively, defensive back Anthony Cook will get you 15 total tackles, which is impressive. And defensive back Deshaun Jameson will get you a sack. Now, on the Texas Tech, Donovan Smith would have a great game. Uh, my opinion 38 to 56, 300, 331 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he would have a rushing touchdown. I feel like because of what was at stake, he's going to be my co MVP. I want to just give it to Adrian Martinez, and I'll tell you why a little bit later. But um, just kind of just looking over this again, and and just I love it when people take it to Florida. I just love it. So uh, him, Donovan Smith, and and Adrian Martinez for pulling off great upset wins. I got to give them co-MVPs for this week. But on the ground, Serrata Rick Thompson will get you a rushing touchdown. Miles Price will be the team's leading receiver. 13 catches, 98 yards. Tight end Baylor Cup. I don't think there's no relation to Cooper Cup because I don't even think it's spelled. No, it's not spelled the same. This guy's name is spelled with a C, y'all. So I know how sometimes people's names sound the same. We want to, you know, make them related. sometime. it don't. It don't always work that way. I know. Not this time. He would score though. So maybe there is some relation. They know how to score touchdowns. I don't know. Anyway, defensively, linebacker Kershawn Merriweather would get you eight total tackles, and then Reggie Pearson Jr. would get you. An inter- uh, sorry, uh. Sorry, uh, linebacker uh, Carrishon uh, Merriweather got you eight total tackles. Reggie Pearson Jr. in the secondary, he gets you an interception. So again, you get you get some defense from Texas Tech. You know they they made some plays when they needed to, and you know. But at the end of the day, for this conference, it comes down to offense because you have, you you see they scored over like seventy damn eighty points. So I told y'all, if uh, Oklahoma State can't stop the defense, good luck. <laughs> Can't stop nobody defensively through the air. They they stuck. I'm just saying, cause yeah. Anyways, uh, got a couple more games to the top 25. I want to get through. Uh, Oregon, as I mentioned, they held on. The Cougars of Washington State gave it all they could. Him up a little bit short. Uh, final score: 44 to 41. Bo Nix, 33 of 44, 428 yards, three touchdowns. He will throw a pick. Marquise Irving, 81 yards on the ground, a receiving touchdown. Jordan, uh, Jordan James was scoring the ground. Tony Franklin, a big part of receiving the receiving team uh, last weekend, really good at uh, well Saturday, yesterday, a uh, really good, uh, really good at di- well, really good. How do I want to say uh, essential? <laughs> he was really essential uh, yesterday. Five catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. Held the Cougars at just 41 yards rushing. Again, this is an air raid offense that be Washington State, so you know. They don't really care if you can't, if they can't run on you. Uh, but um, in terms of defense, Trickways Bridges will get five total tackles and interception. Uh, Noah Sewell will get a sack. For Washington State, Cameron Moore will get you, uh, will go 37 to 48, excuse me, for two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Nakia Watson will get you a rushing touchdown. Dijon Stribling got you five catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Robert Farrell would score as well. But defensively, you know, when they had a chance, cause, you know, Washington State, they was on they was up on our ass a couple different times. But they would give up twenty-nine points in just like two minutes. They had a twelve point lead, bro. They choked. Let's just keep it real. <laughs> I'll take it anytime. I'm like, fuck. I was nervous myself. I'm like, I don't want us to I don't want us to lose like this. Not after, see, right after last week. Because everybody named Mama goes, shit, shit, talk to me. Y'all talk this shit about the Mormon. I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> I just don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> I'm just going to be real. So defensive back Sam Lockett will get you 12 total tackles. And linebacker Francisco Maui Goa. I thought he damn near t- took the soul out of our team with his interception return for a touchdown. That's almost I'm going to say. I'm just blessed. <laughs> I'm just going to say it right now. Wrapping out the top 25 in terms of the scores. USC. uh Beaver's going to beaver, right? Fucking dick. You had him. You fucking... But Chance Nolan can't pass for shit. Five picks, bro. USC ain't that... It's not that USC was... I mean, they're good. You suck, too, bro. You suck. That's just... Uh, beef. Like I said, Beaver's going to beaver. They had a chance. They played really fucking good. As good as you could play at home and try to get a win like that. Them motherfuckers choked. Chance Nolan... He ain't the boy. I'm just gonna let you beat. I'm gonna let Jonathan Smith know right now. I don't think he's your boy. I wouldn't ride with bruh. but let's move on. BYU gets it done against Wyoming 38-24. And then also uh, Utah, they get it done against Arizona State 34-13. Alright, so we are gonna get into the conference notes segment. I'm gonna start off with the Pac-12. Of course, I'm in the West Coast. Why not? So, you know, I'm gonna go over the news course over the course of the week going into the week. The biggest story right now, of course, with one of them coming out of the Pac-12, is of course Herm Edwards being uh fired. Uh he was fired about a week ago. About a week ago after they upset loss to Eastern Michigan. They weren't supposed to lose that game, but they would 21 to 30. He also made a dumbass timeout call that pretty much sealed his fate going into halftime. I don't know what the fuck has been with coaches. Him and Scott Frost calling these stupid ass timeouts. This dumbass calls the timeout. Well, first of all, he he could have went for it or whatever, or he could have just killed the, the clock or whatever. He decides to stop the clock and punt the ball anyways. They return the motherfucker for a touchdown. You can't you can't script this shit. You can say what you want. I, I've heard a lot of comments trying to defend this guy. Oh, Arizona State did him dirty. Da da da. da. Oh, and I will say this: um, I made an error on uh, a while back about who their AD was. I, I I think I said it was Brian Billick, it's somebody completely different. I think Brian Billick might have been the former, or he might even have a current position that's not the AD at Arizona State. But I just want to let y'all know: when if I make an error and I can and I'm able to call it out, I will. But um, you know, I, back to her. There's a lot of people that try to defend him and try to say, "Oh, they did him dirty, or whatever," and you know what? He was <sighs> okay. Let's just get into his record because the record will throw you off because he did have a he did finish with a winning record, twenty six and twenty over his time. Now he did win a uh, he also won a uh, a ball game in twenty nineteen versus uh, Florida State, but uh, over you know over the next couple of seasons. Well, he also had four wins over Arizona, too. I for almost forgot to mention that. And that's a rival, and it's always good to beat your rival. But over the course of that 2019 season, the past few seasons, he hasn't been able to more... Sorry, he could never win more than eight games. Um, matter of fact, let's be real here. He hasn't been able to... He wasn't able to do that throughout his whole tenure. I think he only had maybe one nine-win season, something like that, or eight-win season. But he's been around six or below, you know. So... I, I, I think, and this is, a, again, I saw the same thing happen in NFL, too, with him. Because he's a coach for at least two different teams in NFL, right? The Jets and the Chiefs. Like, they, I, I mean, I don't know where y'all come off saying he was all this great of a coach and all this. Like, I, I, did he ever lead a team to a championship? At least an AFC, a conference championship? I can't remember where his teams, even in the NFL, were all that great. So, I mean, it was a... I mean, I thought it was a cool move by Arizona State. Don't get me wrong. And it's always good to see a brother every now and again do his thing. It don't matter if it's college or the pros. I, it's not. It's But it's just like it wasn't like he was a, a world changer. You know, it wasn't like he brought in a defensive scheme that completely changed the NFL. You know, despite him just being an OK head coach. Because there's plenty of coordinators that come through, you know, that are great coordinator and, and leave something lasting, you know. I can't say that he had that impact. So when I'm sitting here everybody, you know, pull out these tears for him, and it's like, oh, like he was the average. He was like your average coach. He was all right. Like, come on now. Let's not make it that serious. I mean, come on now. I mean, and on top of that, he allowed Antonio, uh, was it Pierce? Yeah, Antonio Pierce to pretty much dominate the coaching staff and the culture there. And it led to these NCAA, <laughs> excuse me, NCAA investigations and of course these recruiting violations came and it all has to do with what they did under covid and some recruiting shit and you know people gonna you've heard i've heard people try to be play devil advocate about that and go oh well it's recruiting and it's Arizona state what can they do you know you know rules are rules and bottom line is Herm wasn't even in charge of his own team when it was when it was you know at some point now, near the end, he might have got his shit right in the last, you know, couple, maybe the last season, maybe. And, you know, a few games in this one, he might have had control again. But he he literally deferred everything to all his other senses and, and actually to one. And I mentioned Antonio Pierce. Uh, so, I, you know, he didn't really do his job half the time. He wasn't really no real coach. That's what it seems like to be. You know, uh, there's also you know the video of him kind of being let go, like after the game. Well, people are assuming that's that's what it was, some type of f- footage with him and the AD and somebody else. Whoever. And um <laughs> and it's just hilarious how people want to speculate. Just like when Kanye put out when I lost my queen, I I, I understand London or some shit, you know, like, oh, he's talking about his mama. He's talking about Kim. I don't fucking care for one. But I'm just saying just how people like to take shit that they just see or hear and, and they gotta put everything and, and all type of, you know, shit behind it. So he he couldn't manage his team. And that's point blank, and that's why he's not there, and that's the bottom line. And at the end of the day, he just couldn't really. He he was just an average coach. Let's be real. Let's move on. Uh, this is a very interesting story. I mentioned this before about the UC readers who wanted to potentially step in, at least on the UCLA front, and kind of say, "Hey, you know, slow your roll." Again, USC doesn't have to go through this because they're a private school, but remember, UCLA is part of the UC system, so they have a whole different set of, you know, parameters they got to go through. So they the UC Board of Regents met up with the with some Pac-12 officials uh last week Thursday to be exact to kind of discuss, you know, potentially even blocking UCLA's move to the Big 10. Now, this is coming from the Pac-12. They believe that the that the Big 10 move won't help the Bruins in the long run in terms of winning and in terms of financially. Now, they mentioned travel expenses. Uh, according to the Pac-12, they're saying uh, travel expenses would increase up to fourfold for UCLA. Hmm. And this might not even, you know, really make the media rights cut that they feel that they... Because, uh, of course, uh, UCLA and, and USC at some point... point with, And they got to wait. And the cold part about that media cut that they're supposed to be getting from the Big Ten, that bigger cut... They got to wait at least two years to even get that anyways. So, with that being said... Um, And, again, the travel costs going up, you know, it might not be enough to help them. Because, again, they're they're still in about $68 million of debt, although they paid off 102-something million of it. This is the thing. They also have shit poor uh, attendance, some of the worst in college football right now, at least on the FBS level. So I think the Pac-12 has a point. You'll listen to the haters that are pro uh, Big Twelve, mostly Big Ten guys uh, that are really, but just not, of course, because it's all. Po- remember, it, it, remember, it's left and right still too, even with this. That's why it's so fucking annoying. I see why people just don't really want to deal with politics because they, it just it just has to get into everything. And again, a lot of the Pac-12 hate is is a lot is is, is a lot. Sorry, politics. Is a is a lot of the reason, or a big reason behind some of this Pac-12 hate as well. Okay, let's just tell it like it is. Again, I know it sounds redundant that I've said it before, but let's be real. They're gonna tell you, nah, you know UCLA should go. The Pac-12 is lying. They did that, they, they meant that. Bottom line is UCLA sucks. Okay, that's why nobody's showing up to the games because they're not interested. UCLA doesn't even recruit that well in their own backyard. Oregon is recruiting them and out recruiting them in LA. I'm not. I'm not gonna go out on limb and say that we're, we're out recruiting USC, but I know we're out recruiting UCLA and a lot of teams. Not even just in the Pac-12, they're doing a lot better job than UCLA in LA. So. Going to the Big Ten and and playing against Nebraska and maybe getting a win against them. And, you know, probably getting a win maybe against guys like Indiana. Because we know you're not going to beat Ohio State. We know you're not going to beat Michigan. You're not going to beat anybody important enough. And the way I've seen from Minnesota, Minnesota is going to eat you guys alive. You and USC, to be honest with you. You and your little friend that you want to hop with. now First y'all was rivals. Now y'all want to go move together. oh We're going to go to the Big Ten. It's going to be so much better. I doubt that. You can't even win in the Pac-12 and sell out your stadium and you play where if you you play in the Rose Bowl. That doesn't change because you go to the Big 10 and you get to play Nebraska unless you unless you're going to beat Nebraska every year consistently, unless you're beating down on Illinois and Indiana and Northwestern and find a way to win a conference championship, which I feel USC is better is better, you know, place to do as opposed to y'all. I don't see it happening. You should st- y'all should stay. USC has the power to do that. Whatever they, if USC really wanted to control m- their own media destiny, they could be like Texas and create their own channel. I feel like they be in some beta males right now, and just say, well, we'll just piggyback on the Big Ten. Y'all weak, but you know, U- UCLA, y'all really even more weak. So yeah, I would, I would cons- I would think about it before I just jump because it's not like it's gonna be any better. Yeah, you play in a more prestigious qu- conference, quote unquote, but it's not like you're going to win the motherfucker either. So it's like, oh, they're going to pay us a few more dollars to be on TV. Okay, pay a few more dollars to be shown on TV and lose. Okay, whoopty fucking do and We're going to see your empty ass stadium every fucking week. It doesn't matter. Nobody wants to see your empty ass stadium. It doesn't matter if you're playing Cal or, you know, and that's another one, uh, part of the reason why UC is kind of in this too. Because they're like, well, what, what Cal going to do? Ain't nobody talking about Cal? Cal suck, too. Uh, So, (laughs) UCLA, y'all should... I wouldn't go chasing waterfalls because y'all not that great. But, um, y'all, 4-0 this year. We're going to move on to the the Pac-12 scoreboard now. They are 4-0 this year. I'll give them that. The first 4-0 start since uh, 2014, but... They got a win versus Colorado last weekend. Colorado is winless. I'm not impressed. Zach Carbonate would have three touchdowns. Dorian Thompson-Robinson would have two three the air. They will hold Colorado to just two uh, 309 total total yards, 51 yards on the ground, 4.7 yards per pass attempt. So they had a pretty decent game. But remember, a good game. But remember, it's Colorado. Colorado garbage. For Colorado, Owen McCown will, go to, uh, will have 258 uh, passing yards, a touchdown, interception. That's all you got. So I mean, again, great job. You went to four and zero, but that's again, you're not in the rankings for a reason. Uh, as far as Pac-12 players concerned, we also got Cal. They get it done against Arizona. Cal uh, moves to three and one the year. Arizona is two and two for Cal. Jack Plummer, the uh, Purdue transfer, would have two hundred forty-five passing yards, also three touchdowns. Jaden Odd, uh, a freshman phenom, just dismantling de- uh defenses on the ground. 274 yards versus Arizona, three touchdowns, and Cal would also force three turnovers on the defensive side of things. For Arizona, Jaden uh, Delara would have four hundred passing yards. He would throw two touchdowns but he would also throw two picks his leading receiver would be jacob Cowing. he would have seven catches for 133 yards and the touchdown uh i mentioned before washington they would get a win against stanford 40 to 24 that was the final score washington of course is four and 0. stanford is just one and two again i'm not really impressed by that win just want to Thought I'd throw that out there. Now let's move on to the SEC. Uh, We're going to start off with some quick news from there. Of course, LS Poo. It is is on probation but again it's all a slap on the rich relatively uh they are put on a one year probation for recruiting violation uh they found uh what also get a week probation in terms of talking to recruits and i'm pretty sure that's going to be in the off season uh we also got uh their unofficial visits and official visits being cut down to some uh, to some extent and also their evaluation days and shit like that that shit is gonna be cut down a little bit, not even significantly. Like I said, just a little slap on the wrist to kind of let them know, hey. Although I don't know why, because this team also has also has done the same thing in basketball. When are y'all, when is see again? You can give a team like USC slaps on the wrist for shit like this. You can give a team like LSU a slap on the wrist for this. But I, I mean, I'm telling you. They gave SMU the fucking death penalty for shit just as similar as this little minor inconveniences in terms of recruiting. I know it happened all the way in the 80s, but they destroyed that football program. And they—they, I'm telling you, they picked and choose how they want to do it. Look at how they prop up USC now every year in the rankings. But they don't give you SMU no love. That's a dirty man and the NCAA. Dirty as fuck. Be honest with you. But let's move on to the scoreboard. Bowling Green, uh, they take a L here to Mississippi State. I'm again a win. I'm not really impressed by because it's Bowling Green. Final score: 45 to 13. Sorry, 45 to 14 in favor of the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. We have Auburn. They get an ugly win here against Missouri in overtime, 17 to 14. Auburn moves to three and one. Missouri is two and two. Uh, piss poor offense. New Neither- Team even cracked 300 yards of total offense. Both teams sucked on third down. Mizzou was four and thirteen. Auburn was three and sixteen on third down. Uh, Mizzou will also give up two turnovers. Uh, Brad Cook from Mizzou will go 14 to 24, 179 yards and an interception. None non-impressive. Robbie Ashford, 12 of 18, 127 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Uh the player of the game had on um, both sides of the ball had to be linebacker Derek Hall for Auburn. Two sacks and an interception for him. The Tigers altogether would force force uh sacks. Well, that being the Missouri Tigers, they were forced force sacks. So I mean you had some defense, but the offense was just trash. Uh, Anders Carlson uh, for, top, for Auburn will end up getting the game-winning field goal, although he would miss one early in the game, but again, it's what happens, you know, it's what The final score that counts, and they was able to get that that final field goal. Uh moving on, uh, like I mentioned before, Kentucky looked a little bit disappointing in my opinion, and just flat against uh, Northern Illinois final score was 31 to 23. Of course, Kentucky is 4-0, and Northern Illinois was just one and two going to that game, they're now one and three. Uh, we also got South Carolina. They get a blowout win over Charlotte, but again, Spencer Randler looks to be trash. He still sucks. 17 to 23, 187 yards, zero TDs. Uh, Thank God they had their running back, Marshawn Lloyd, doing some things for them. 169 yards on the ground, he would also score three times. LSU, they get a... Uh, whoopty dee doo win of the week over New Mexico. Nobody fucking cares. 38-0. to And then Alabama. same thing. whoop the fucking doo Nobody fucking cares. 55-3 to over Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt is 3-2, so they're not as bad as usual. That's cool. Of course, Bama is 4-0. But, it, you know, we're not even talking about teams in the same shot as here. Who fucking cares? Uh, let's move on to the ACC. A uh, little bit of news here. Uh, we have uh, the first thing coming out of Georgia Tech. They're gonna let go of their head coach Jeff Collins uh, after a loss this weekend to Central Florida, 27 to 10, in Orlando. The Yellow Jackets just said, "Fuck it," and they let go of Jeff Collins after four years into his stint. Well, going into his fourth season, he had an overall record of 10 and 28, and also seven 19 versus the conference. Again, I ain't gonna get it done. Uh, one of his biggest challenges was to revamp the offense after many years. After many years, it was uh, after. Sorry, he had to revamp the. Offense, uh, because after uh, when he came in, he had to switch it up from a triple option. That's what I wanted to say. So, he had to do something completely different. Um, and he just couldn't really do it. He failed to get the team to be even be be even be in the top 10 of his conference in terms of offensive stats. And they couldn't win more than three games a season. Period. They just sucked. Let's just be real. In the offseason, they would lose plenty of starters, including their top running back, Jameer Gibbs. We mentioned him plenty of times before it. He would end up in Alabama. And then over the course of the first three games, uh, they would end up being outscored 110 to 20. Damn. The third, this is the third Power Five, Power 5 coach to be fired in just this month. Uh, he would do his best to recruit in the Atlanta, Georgia area. He tried, definitely. Uh, I think he was able to get... Three out of 53 uh, possible scholarship players over the offseason, or at least in his time, I believe. Uh, But uh, he was only able to produce two All-Americans. And that's, of course, Jameer Gibbs, who will go on to transfer. And then wide receiver Quez Jackson, who actually actually graduated not too long ago. So it was all bad. That's all I got to say. And then finally, for the news for the ACC, there might be a merger between the ACC, the Pac-12, And even the Big 12, Uh, I mean, nothing really substantial is can be said just right now, except they're all talking in their meeting and they're talking about different possibilities. I think the biggest thing you might see first is some type of agreement to play some type of home and away games between between some of these teams before we even think about even merging. Uh, Like I said, uh, there might be a case where there's some, you know, the leftover teams or the teams that got left over might even be joining one of these conferences, Uh, maybe the big 10, sorry, the ACC or the PAC 12. Again, all, all they're going to say is they're just talking. They're just going over all the proper protocols. Nothing is in fine tunes just yet. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, it is what it is. I wouldn't hold my breath, but you know, Hey, it would be interesting. It would definitely be interesting. Uh, let's move on to the ACC scoreboard. Uh, we talked about a few of these different games. The big one, though, of course, Kansas uh, and Duke. Well, everybody was so excited about them starting off 3-0 and for the first time in so long. Why? I don't know. Uh, but anyways, uh, Kansas gets it done, 35 to 25 in the battle of the, the basketball schools. Uh, but for Kansas, Jaden Daniels, uh, really solid performance, 324 yards from him, four touchdowns, 83 yards on the ground. He would score on the ground as well. Riley Leonard would lead the Blue Devils of Duke offensively, 324 yards. He would throw a touchdown. So uh, we had some excitement on both, uh, on both from both teams. Uh, we also got Louisville. Uh, they was they was able to get it done against South Florida. Final score, 41 to 20. 23. Louisville improves to two and two and South Florida it drops to one and three. Now let's move to the Big 12. Uh, not so much, not too much to mention here, other than just kind of the scores from over the weekend. We had TCU take out their rival SMU. Final score, uh, 42. Uh, I believe I think it was 42 to 20 or 36, something like that. Uh, but it was a battle for the Iron Skillet. They get it done against their rival SMU. Uh, the big battle was between Max Duggan and Tanner Mordecai, of course, the two twelve two quarterbacks. For Duggan, he would go 22-29 or for 278 yards. He would throw three touchdowns. For Tanner Mordecai, he would go 27-49 for 372 yards. He would throw two touchdowns, but he would also throw two picks. The running games were on fire as well. For TCU, Con- Kendra Miller would have 142 yards on the ground and also a touchdown. And Amari DeMicardo, he would have two touchdowns on the ground as well as 64 rushing yards. Now, Trey Siggers, he wouldn't have much, uh, he wouldn't have as much yards, uh, Uh, And this is for SMU now, but he would score three times for the Mustangs. And then the top receiver from both teams would be Jake Bailey uh, from SMU, the top performer. He had eight receptions on eight target uh, passes. He was targeted eight times. He had eight catches, 163 yards. He would score a touchdown as well. Was there some defense? To an extent, yes. SMU would force five sacks, and defensive end uh, Nelson Paul would have three of them. And then, of course, we know about TCU forcing at least a couple. They forced a couple turnovers, so you had some defense. Now, the big story come out of the Big 12, of course, over the weekend, K-State versus OU. Let's just go ahead and get into it. Really great game, excuse me, uh, but TCU, sorry, TCU. I don't know why I said TCU. But your boys down there at uh in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh they get it done. Final score 41 to 34. Are you surprised? I know I am. Uh but uh Adrian Martinez, I'm gonna give him the MVP, the co MVP of the week. Because you know we've we said so much stuff about him, particularly in his you know back going to his you know Nebraska days. We're so down on him, but to see that him you know to see him improve, uh, 234 passing yards last night, a touchdown. He would also score four times on the ground and add 148 yards there, just doing so much to help his team win. I gotta give it to him. Like I said, particularly with how we pounded him over the past few years on defense. Safety Kobe Savage would have 10 great tackles, the leading tackler, but. His tackles were very impactful throughout the entire game. You gotta give him that. Uh, moving on, we have for Dylan Gabriel, two hundred, uh, sorry, twenty six of thirty nine, three hundred and thirty yards, four touchdowns. Marvin Menz, of course, a leading receiver, four catches and, uh, sorry, eighty seven yards for a touchdown. And in defensive back Justin Broyles will get you nine total tackles. Also the Big Ten. Just a recap of the scores. We got Cincinnati, they blow out Indiana 45 to 24. They both and uh, they both go to 3 and 1 in the year. For Cincinnati, Ben Bryant would go 24 40, 354 yards, four touchdowns, just one pick. Uh, they would only have 40 48 rushing yards though. But Tyler Scott would be the team's leader receiver with 10 catches, 108 yards. He would also have three touchdowns. Ivan Page Jr would step up on defense. Uh, he would go and have 14 total tackles and two and a half sacks. For Indiana, Connor Bazelak was under center, 31-66, to 66, 288 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Boo. Uh, that's all that Bazelak does is throw interceptions. He was doing that in Missouri. Now, uh, Shane Sh- Sean Shiver will be the team's leading rusher, 79 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And uh, for Indiana, they- the big thing for them was the second quarter. They just got blown out 28-7. to 7. That was pretty much the deal right there. You know, that second quarter ended everything. So... Uh, that's what you got. I am going to, uh, call the Rafa tonight. I know we went in deep, uh, but if you're looking to get in touch with me, I'll be leaving my links available for you guys. Uh, I got a lot more coming in the future. So keep a lookout for that. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll highlight you guys later.